Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Well, welcome to Real Cuff. And we've got Cody Bennett on the phone today. And uh, you're going to... You're going to really enjoy this, and I hope it inspires uh, especially some people here around the Tyler area to come to some of these meetings and to help out. And, uh, you know, if you're listening somewhere else in another state, maybe it will inspire you to start your own. Um, But first of all, I want to say we're doing this on Memorial Day, and uh, it is a privilege to be doing this in America especially on Memorial Day, because there's been over 700,000 lives lost in war. And that doesn't count the ones that got wounded, came back to a hospital or whatever, and died later. This is just the ones that died there in war. And so over 700,000 have paid the price so you can be listening to this show. So I want you to remember that, but one of the other things... Well, I'll let Cody talk about the statistics on, on the veterans as he goes. But, Cody? Yes, sir. Do you want to share your testimony first and then start telling us about the program? Yeah, I think that would be the best way to start because without the testimony, it's kind of hard to figure out why I got to the program. So, um, <clears throat> first of all, I'd like to say thank you to all the families out there that have had soldiers that paid the ultimate price and uh, gave up their life for our country. Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, Without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. And uh, that's the first thing I'd like to say. And then I guess my testimony starts in about 1988 when I joined the United States Army as a combat medic, Um, completed basic jump school, AIT, and then was sent to uh, Berlin, Germany. Um, I was a young child there, a young man, I guess, and uh, oh boy, what a wicked world. I was a Christian at the age of 16, but fell away from Christ due to the influences of other people and and uh, not, not having a strong spiritual walk with Christ. And uh, after being in Berlin a while, the balloon went up for Desert Storm, Desert Shield, and I thought it was my patriotic duty to go ahead and volunteer to serve in a combat unit. So I volunteered and left my unit in Berlin and was shipped to uh, 267 Armor out of Freiburg, Germany. Uh, Ironically, that was the same unit that Elvis served with, so that was a pretty cool bit of history. Um, We deployed from Freiburg, Germany to the desert in... uh, we drew our vehicles, moved to the desert, and after several months of training, the ground campaign uh, began during Desert Storm, Desert Shield. Um, I'll never forget my first trauma case. It was an American soldier that was wounded by his lieutenant accidentally. Um, all the wounds were were non-life-threatening, but it was uh, pretty pretty. In- intense rush to to treat somebody that had been wounded by gunfire um 
after we started the campaign and went over the berm into to liberate Kuwait and push into Iraq and pushing the Republican Guard forces back, we didn't treat American casualties. We ended up treating the enemy that uh, we were fighting against. Um, they were surrendering by the thousands and had been wounded. Um, some stood in resistance and, and were uh, really wounded. And that became our, our mission was to, to take care of the enemy that we wounded um, <clears throat> by the hundreds. Um, I'll never forget trying to figure out which one to treat first, uh, who to treat, who not to treat, how to treat them. And for the next three days, you just became a robot. You worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you ate when you were driving. You slept when you had a chance. And I never realized how that portion of my service impacted me. Um, I remember coming back to the States after deployment and walking down the street and hearing a car backfire and literally jumping in a ditch and my friends were laughing at me and of course I didn't find it very funny but they did and I I didn't realize that there was something wrong with me um, served until 1995 uh, my last year and a half at Fort Hood I I ran either ambulances or flew dust off on helicopters and we didn't deal with combat trauma at that time but we dealt with a lot of, of casualties of DWIs and things like that, more mass trauma. And it impacted me in ways that I did not know. Um, I was married, divorced, remarried, divorced. Um, both of my wives had a very angry man in their lives. Um, I drank, uh, used drugs to, to cope. And in 2005, I was pulled over and given a DWI. And after $8,000, I decided that I didn't need to drink anymore. Um, a very close friend of mine at that time was going to Cross Brown Cowboy Church and asked me to come to church with them. And I said, well, I'll think about it. And finally, one Sunday, they convinced me to go, and I, I walked into the service, and the preacher, Mike Morrow, was preaching about giving your burdens to God. And I had a whole pile of burdens on my shoulder, and and I thought, man, he wrote this sermon for me. I, I don't understand this. And um, I got up and walked out of church. How dare he write something directed to me? Um, there's other people out there who, are, who need more than I need. And a couple of weeks later, I went back, and it was the same scenario. That sermon was directed to me, and and. In retrospect, now I see where the Holy Spirit was trying to convict me and saying, hey, man, you need to give what's weighing on your heart to Christ. And I didn't understand that at that time. Um, sometime in July, I went to Mike Morrow's office and I explained to him that I couldn't handle this anymore and that I needed to to figure out what was going on. And we spent an afternoon in conversation, bawling and crying. And, and in the end, I gave my life back to Christ. And Mike, being the smart man he was, put me to work in the church right away on the care team and going to the hospital and praying with families and visiting people who were sick and things of that nature. 
and it kept me occupied so I didn't think about the past and the and the fun I used to have with my old buddies and I separated from my old buddies and stuff and and I thought after I gave my life to Christ things were supposed to get better the anger would go away things would change and without the alcohol and the drugs and the and the craziness things actually got worse um the PTSD that I now suffer with increased because it wasn't self-medicated, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and then God put a lovely lady in my life named Michelle Bennett and strong, strong Christian woman. And we got married and she inherited me and all my messed up uglies. And she loved me for him no matter what. When I would throw a fit and a rage and break things and, and throw things through the wall and scream and holler and, and, and act like a fool, instead of leaving, she just drew closer. She loved me more. And I couldn't understand why. It just it just baffled me. And uh, so we've had a rough and rocky nine years of marriage, but... Two years ago, it came to a to a head, and two years ago, I attempted to take my life. Um, she intervened, contacted some very close personal friends of mine who showed up at my house and came through the front door, and me sitting here with a loaded pistol, and uh, prayed and talked me down. I mean, prayed without even asking, just prayed for God to intervene, and he did. And uh, I went to behavioral health for a week, and the next thing I know, I'm diagnosed with PTSD. And I didn't understand what PTSD at that time was. Um, through the VA, I was contacted. I, I called and, and was given a counselor, and the counselor I had ended up retiring early, and I was given another counselor, and we didn't mesh, and finally a a young lady um, who was an intern and realized that I needed more than than what she could do or anybody could do over a telephone or over Skype. And so she suggested a program in Bonham, Texas that was for an inpatient program for three months for PTSD. And she asked me if I would go or check into it. And uh, I told her, yes, ma'am, I would. And I called up there to Bonham, and the lady that uh, did the intake said, well, you know, our next class is full. Your class is going to be six months out. And she talked to me for a very long time, and I told her, all right. Well, I said, well, when the next class is available, can I, can I have a date? And she said, yeah, we'll get you in. Two days later, she calls me and said, can you be here on February? I think it was the 11th. And I said, why? And she said, we had somebody drop out, and that pushed you to the top of the list because I felt you need to be here. So God started to intervene a long time ago, but he was really making his presence felt at this time. And so I talked to my wife, didn't know how we were going to go. I worked for myself, didn't know how we were going to have the money, and was talking to some friends and family members, and the next thing I know, the money that I would make over the next four months was in our hands. It was given to us by family members and friends so I could go and attend this program in Bonham 
and attempt to get better. So uh, I shipped off the bottom and and dug into the to the history of my PTSD and, and found out that I have PTSD from the military, but I also have post-traumatic stress from childhood issues and found out that a lot of us that suffer with PTSD have post-traumatic child issues. You know, we have things that happen when we were children to us that make us more susceptible to PTSD were in the military. And so after three long months, and that was April to April, it was almost a year to the date that I graduated from my program at bottom from the time that I attempted to take my life in suicide. Um, I graduated, and uh, my wife was attending Christ Community Fellowship Church here in, in the Van Lindale area also known as CCF, and she asked me to start attending church there. And I said, sure, baby, I'll go with you. I was a youth director for seven and a half years at another church, and I had retired from that spot due to the fact that I just didn't think I could effectively lead the youth being ill with PTSD. So we start uh, going to CCF, and I was better. Um, on the PTSD, I had the, the head portion fixed, but I didn't have my heart fixed yet. And Marty Thomas, one of the associate pastors at CCF, said, hey, Cody, we got a trip coming up to uh, Dallas. We're going to go to the Kairos and, and ask me to go. And I'm like, well, what's Kairos? And he kind of explained it to me. And I'm just an old Southern missionary Baptist boy, and so... When I got to thinking about this church that he wanted me to go to and this program he wanted me to go see, all I could think about was people dancing in the aisles and, you know, talking to snakes. And we say that jokingly now because I, I was blind to to what Christ can really do. So while we were at Kairos, after a class and some very intense worship and prayer, they asked us to um, ask God what his name for us was. And I asked God, and I prayed, and I asked, and I prayed, and, and, and I heard Christ audibly say in my ear, number one, son, and number two, warrior, and that I was a fighter. And it just, oh, man, it just it lifted me up. And uh, the next thing during Kairos, the next day, we were uh, asked to ask Christ where he was and during the times that he that we felt he wasn't there. And I asked him, you know, where were you when I was being abused as a child? Where were you when I was dealing with all this trauma in the desert? And I got visions of Christ wrapped around me when I was in the pasture being kicked and protecting me. Yeah, I was hurt, but I wasn't hurt as bad as I could. When we were taking enemy fire, I got visions of him almost directing the fire away, I guess, to make sure that I was safe to do what I needed to do. And then I realized where my Christ was during those times, and he was with me. He was standing beside me when I was taking care of the men in Iraq, and they were dying. He was standing beside me when I was trying to save a sergeant that got blown up by a cluster bomb. It was an accident. He was standing with me, and, and he was comforting me and giving me the knowledge to do what I needed to do then. 
And I had the moment where I guess it all came together at that point in time. I went to a program that was for PTSD, and it helped heal part of it. But without Christ, how could I heal completely? Without Christ in my heart and and asking for his forgiveness for the things I'd done and forgiving him for the things that I thought he had neglected in my life, I couldn't be complete. And I realized that soldiers so many times, they go to a program that the United States Army has or that the Veterans Commission has, and Christ cannot be mentioned. Religion cannot be mentioned. And I thought, how can they heal completely without Christ? And and what you've heard is an abbreviated version of, of my life from 88 to present. And this is where, to me, it, it becomes the best because I realized that what God had been preparing me for was eventually to work with people who suffered from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, from combat, to give them a program that supplied the one true healer, the one true doctor, God. Because without him, you can't heal. I think in the Bible, I go back to the lady that was hemorrhaging, and she had been hemorrhaging for years, and no doctor could do anything for her. But by touching the hem of Jesus' robe, she is healed automatically. And so I think with Christ, people can be healed. So I go to a, a longtime friend of mine and mentor, Ron Wells, Center Point Ministries, and I say, hey, Ron, this is a ministry we need to start. And uh, Ron looks at me and he goes, you're right. He said, you know, I've been waiting for you to come to me and say, hey, Ron, this is, this is what I need to do. And because uh, he said he knew for years that I needed to work with veterans and I needed to work with veterans who were suffering as I was. And so we put the wheels in motion. I talked to Marty at the church again, and Marty goes, man, that's a great idea. Let me see how we can help. And so we try to start inventing a program for post-traumatic stress disorder that is faith-based. And somebody told me, hey, man, why don't you look on the Internet and see what you can find? Maybe somebody's already, you know, invented it, and, and you can piggyback off of them. I spent about a month and a half searching and going to all these little bitty sites trying to find somebody that had a faith-based program. And there was one site, and it was called PTSD Foundation of America, big giant site. And I avoided that site because I figured that there's no way that these guys can be faith-based. And finally, I went to their site, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they, they are faith-based. They have a Christian curriculum. And... I called them, and, and they sent one of the representatives up there, and he met with about 13 of us that uh, were interested in, in working in this program, and hence started my training. Um, I had to go through crisis management. I had to uh, go to to Houston and, and uh, stay at Camp Hope, which is their PTSD facility, and, and learn how they worked and mentored with each other. And 
that's brought us to where we are today. The statistics that we were talking about earlier that was mentioned, unfortunately, we lose 22 soldiers a day to PTSD. And if you do the math on that, that's a pretty pretty astronomical number. I mean, that's just crazy. That's crazy to think about. It, and not only crazy to think about, but, but this, is, this is where the number gets really interesting. 50% of the people that exit the military stay in the VA system. Only 50%. And that number 22 comes from the 50% that stay in the VA system. There's another 50% that never enter the VA system that we have no records of. So if we're losing 22 a day that we're recording, how many can we be losing that we don't even know about? That is attributed and, to a car that is attributed to a car accident or a drug overdose. Yeah, and it, I also heard that out of that 22%, a big majority of them are over the age of 50. So, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've got, you know, my father's a, a you know, ex-vet, uh, my father-in-law is an ex-vet, you know, my, uh, uh, well, all my family, basically, all, you know, my grandfather's all them, and, uh, you know, and I'm an ex-vet, so, but that's, that's a huge number. It is a huge number, and it's a number that shouldn't be. Um, it's a number that with proper, proper care, should be decreased. It's a number where the VA should be able to step up and take care of it, but unfortunately they're not. And then that's where programs like warrior groups come into effect. What we're doing or what we're attempting to do in the Tyler area is mimic part of what Camp Hope and the American PTSD Foundation do in Houston. Camp Hope is a residential treatment center that treats vets for six months or longer as long as they have PTSD and a DD Form 213 that shows that they've been in combat, it costs them absolutely nothing. They yeah. go there for six months. They live there. They eat there. They sleep there. They get counseling there. They get peer mentoring there. And it's okay. Hey, Coach. Worth the training. Hey, yes, sir. You're breaking up a little bit, so you might want to move to a little better spot. But All right. Um, Can you hear me now? Yeah, lots better. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, too, I, I mentioned this to you before we started, but, you know, one of my best friends in, in the Army, you know, he, uh, he was a Vietnam vet, and, uh, you know, he, he committed suicide, and, and I actually had a dream that he committed suicide, but at the time, I thought he was in jump school over in Australia, and whatever, something happened there. He came back early and committed suicide three days later after my dream. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, maybe, I don't know if the programs were actually around back then, you know, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's very close to heart, you know, because that could have been a life saved, you know. Definitely. And, and the thing is, is there were not really any programs there, <clears throat> excuse me, up until – Desert Storm, Desert Shield, PTSD was not recognized like it is today. I think it was in 89 
that it was actually recognized as a mental disorder. A lot of times you would have heard it called shell shock, um, people being yellow in combat, um, battle fatigue, all these different things. They didn't have a name for it. And if you had it, a lot of times you were considered a coward. Um, one of my favorite all-time movies is Pat. And uh, when he goes into a hospital to award a young man a purple heart, there's a guy there suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. But to him, he was being coward. And they didn't know how to handle it. So, you know, Brett killing sending back to the front line. And uh, that's just because it, it, it wasn't recognized. It wasn't accepted um, until just recently. And, and one of the things that has changed so much is during the Vietnam era, once your time was up in service or your time in country was up, you came home. Our boys are being sent back into combat six months after they returned to the state. A lot of these guys that are suffering have four and five deployments to Afghanistan, to Iraq, within a four-year period. And they wow. have seen things that is just absolutely astronomical. Yeah, these kids, are they're, they're going to Iraq or Afghanistan. They're coming home, switching, getting sent to a new unit because it's their time, and then their new unit deploys right back into the same country they just came from. And these kids are serving three, four, five tours, consecutive tours, with just a few months in between them in these hot zones. So it's, it's very, very detrimental. Um, what we're hoping to start and what we're going to start on June the 14th here in the Tyler area at Christ Community Fellowship Church, or CCF, is a faith-based PTSD program that involves peer mentoring and small groups for soldiers that suffer with PTSD. We're going to meet at 6 o'clock at night, have a light meal. After the light meal, we'll go to our individual classrooms, and we will have groups where these guys can talk about what is bothering them with other soldiers, with men who suffer from the same thing. And the other thing that we're doing that not many other programs do is we're also having groups for the spouses, for the moms, for the dads, for the children who suffer with post-traumatic secondary PTSD due to what their spouses put them through that they couldn't understand. So we're doing yeah, two that, things. Yeah, that's important because, uh, you know, I, I remember I, I used to work uh, at the hospitals. Uh, it was actually the mental ward. But I, a lot of them were going through drug and rehab and everything else, so I'd have to go to the AA meetings and all that. But the Al-Anon for the, you know, for the spouse, I mean, I saw more there, you know, more growth, more, you know, when, when the spouse was helped out than I saw with the, you know, patient themselves. Yes. You know, because um, they didn't understand at all. And at least it, it opened it up the door and let them understand. So I can see there, there's a huge need for that. Well, the, the, the family members suffer just like the soldiers. They have a young man that leaves, whether he be a husband or a brother or whatever, and he's, you know, Johnny the hero football star, 
charismatic, outgoing, just just this great all-around guy. And when he comes home from these deployments, he's quiet. He's reclusive. He chooses not to go out in public. He drinks. He uses drugs. Things that he never did before. He becomes abusive verbally, sometimes physically. And he has just changed. And the family doesn't understand why this young man has changed. Why has he become something different? And they don't know how to react. They don't know how to help him. They, they try to help him, but they just can't understand what he's been through. And they'll say, well, baby, why won't you tell me what happened? Why, why won't you talk to me? And he doesn't want his wife to know that he shot a child that was trying to, to deliver a, uh, an improvised bomb into their marriage. He doesn't want his wife to know that in the midst of them engaging hostile issues that he killed. For some reason, Cody, I'm kind of losing you again. Okay, I'm back. I'm sorry. I moved the phone away from my mouth. (laughs) Thank you. You know, um, he doesn't want them to know the things that he's done, the things that he's seen, the things that he's been involved with. You know, he, he wants to protect his family, so he bottles it up, he internalizes it, and it just continues to fester like a like a, a splinter. You know, you get a splinter in your finger and you don't take it out. Eventually, it festers and swells and turns red until it pops. You know, and then it pops and 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 then it's all good for a while until the next splinter. And that's the same way with our soldiers; they internalize everything for a period of time, and then it's got to come out. And it sometimes comes out with them taking their lives, um, suicide by cop, um, assaulting their wives or their loved ones, breaking crap, tearing things up. It, um, it, it's an ugly scene. And, and without Christ and without a means to learn to cope with it, these guys will never change. I've known soldiers now that suffer so severely from PTSD that they never leave their house. They have their groceries in order. Everything they need offline. They won't even walk out of their house because they're just afraid of what's waiting around the corner. It's just unbelievable. Wow. Well, you know, I... uh, I will definitely, what I'll need to do is, is get the information, so I'll put it up on the on the uh, podcast and on the website, you know, um, so this is going to, is this going to be a monthly thing? Weekly thing. A weekly it thing, It will be okay. every week starting the 14th of uh, June. Well, that's, that's going to be fantastic. I, I think what I really want you to do is before we get off here, I want you to pray for these people that are listening and for the family members that are listening, that, that, that God would open their eyes and their ears so they can hear and understand and get their family member here or, or you know, or if, or if it's a, a, a vet themselves struggling with this, that their heart will be open, that they'll say, look, that, that must be what I need. You know, because, I mean, <clears throat> I got family members struggling with the same thing. And uh, I don't think they would go to this group 
But if God pushes them to go, they would go. Exactly. Now, before I pray, I want to I want to read a scripture, and it comes from Isaiah 41 and 13. And it says, For I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. You know, if we will seek him, he will help us. And, and that's what this program does. Is it allows us to seek Christ and to learn who Christ is and how much he does love us. And that the reason why we have our issues is so we can help somebody else. So I, yes. guess, to close, I guess to close this out, um, I'll go ahead and say a prayer. And uh, I want to say thank you to you for having me today. Um, I appreciate it so much, the chance to, to get the word out about, uh, about PTSD and how it affects our soldiers. And, and there's a number floating around that we have about 1,500 beds. Young men that need medical attention. So now I I didn't hear that number. It broke up again. Fifteen hundred young vets wow. in this area. Yes, sir. Wow. I know of twenty six right now that are homeless and being put up in a in a homeless shelter in Canton and Tyler. So um, they have no homes and all suffer from either PTSD or TBI, which is traumatic brain injury. So, yeah, I want to make sure I tell you thank you for serving, too, before you, you know, well, I appreciate off. That. That, was, that was my honor. Um, it was my honor to serve, serve my country and to, to do for my country. Um, I, I feel that that's one of the uh, highest honors that you can ever do to serve your country, whether it be non-combat or combat. So um, I'll go ahead and close first. Heavenly right. Father, I just I just thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you for the chance to sit here and, and talk about you, Lord, how you can heal, how you can be the the ultimate doctor in all that, that, that goes on in our life. Lord, I know that there are families out there today that are struggling with the PTSD. There are soldiers and there are loved ones who don't understand what is going on. And, Lord, I just ask as they hear this message today, as they hear what is said here on the, on the radio, that they understand that there is a place of refuge for them, and that refuge is you. Lord, I just ask that you draw the ones to the church, to the meetings that need it, that uh, are seeking help, Lord, and that through their progress and their healing, others will see a change in them and want the same thing. Lord, I ask you to watch over our young women and men who are deployed and watch over those families of the ones that are deployed, Lord. And I just ask that you you comfort the families that, that have lost soldiers due to combat, that you just show them that you're there, Lord, and that, that their young man or woman who served with honor is, is hopefully with you, Lord, just resting with you. Lord, we just ask again for your blessing over this radio program, and Lord, we ask your blessing over the over the Heart for Warriors program and the and the Camp Hope Project and the American PTSD Foundation. Lord, we just ask you to to watch over all of us and and, and keep us all safe. Lord, 
we ask these things in your holy and most precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, Cody, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And I know, especially here in the the, uh, the Tyler area, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for a lot of healing to come to some of these families and, and some of these uh, ex-soldiers. And, and uh, you know, one of the things, you know, after we hang up, if you'll hang on the line, that way I can talk to you about getting some information and stuff. And, and another th- thought I had, too, is also, you know, I have a lot of listeners that, uh, that may want to just be able to donate to help your program. You know, they may not have anything to do with, with veterans or anything, but it, you know what? It's always good to, to pour into something that's helping somebody else. You know, take your, take your focus off yourself. So, all right. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, Cody, and I'm going to uh, – I'll talk to you in a minute.